Welcome to another episode of Believing God's Promises, where we don't just read the word, but believe what it says. We are on chapter five of the book, and it is, does failing make me a failure? Now, the short answer is no, right? Yes. Okay. We got, the message is going to be longer unless you agree, right? We, does, I mean, I'm sorry. Does failing make me, no, the answer is no. (laughs) I'm sorry. The answer is no. The answer is absolutely, don't shake your head. Okay. So I just failed, but I know I'm not a failure, right? I just messed up. I just said that failing makes me a failure. It does not make us a failure. Why? Because we are victorious in Christ. It's a very simple answer, isn't it? We know the truth and we, and we can say, okay, does failing make me a failure? No, because the word tells me that I am victorious. I am victorious in Christ, that Christ already went ahead of me. He already paid the debt. He already did everything and took care of everything so that I can walk in this new identity in Christ, right? And it sounds so simple, but there, it's more complicated, right? Because we're complicated. We are complicated humans. Man, this can be an interesting night. We are complicated humans, aren't we? Whenever we hear the word fail, then we automatically give that a negative connotation in our mind, don't we? We think of if we step out and we do something and we mess up. Let's say we step out and we feel like God is calling us to start something. Maybe it's a business or a ministry or maybe he's telling us to go back to school, whatever it is. We step out. And we mess up and we don't, we don't make it. We don't do it well. We, we just can't figure out why, but we're just not able to do what we And we begin to get frustrated. What do we do? We think, well, I failed. I failed. We did fail. But then we go into that next step of calling ourselves a failure. So we're taking that on as our identity. We're not just saying that we messed up, we fell, we fell short, right? We're saying we, we're taking it further and we're saying that now we are that. We are failure. And for a lot of this is, this has been a struggle in our lives. I know for me, now the word tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that is Romans 3, 23. Now, this is specifically talking about sin, right? It's telling us that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, that we all have sinned, that we all have missed the mark. But we can take this even further and we can see that in our everyday lives, sometimes we, we set out to clean the house. We set out to get the groceries. We set out to go to work. We set out to do something with the kids. Just this last week, I was like, I'm going to hang out with the kids. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna... Guess what? I failed, Right. But you know what? We all do that. I, I, did, I missed the mark. Are you getting this? This isn't just, now this scripture is talking about sin, but what we're talking about is more than that because it's not just sin. And yes, sometimes it is sin. Sometimes we set out, maybe we're struggling in addiction. Maybe we struggle because we're addicted to Facebook or we're addicted to Snapchat or we're addicted to people liking us or we're addicted to some kind of substance. And we set out to be set free and walk in the freedom of that. And then what happens? Sometimes we fail. We pick the phone back up when we set our boundaries. We get another cookie when we're not supposed to. Are you hearing me? This happens because we're human, right? And what's so beautiful is that God has a Bible full of men and women that fail constantly, just like you and I do. But yet he does not call them failures. He does not label them failures. He does not give up on them just because they fail. Are you guys understanding the difference in failing and being a failure? Does everybody understand that? I need to make sure that you understand that. Okay, so there are people in this book, and we read story after story. I mean, look at David. What did he do? He 
saw a beautiful woman and he began to lust and then he got her pregnant and she was married. And so he had her husband killed. That's pretty jacked up. That's a big fail. That's a sin. That's not okay. Nobody better do that to me. I'd be so mad. Anyway, but that's not okay, right? But yet God still used him. God didn't give up on him. He didn't label him a failure. He had more of a purpose for, for David than to sit in that. And then we look at Moses. What did Moses do? I mean, he freaked out and got scared and ran away from his calling, right? But God didn't give up on him because he wasn't a failure. God still had a purpose for him. He still had a plan for him. And we look at men and women throughout the Bible over and over and over, all the way up into the whole New Testament. It's the same story. Man messing up, man failing, man falling. Now, this doesn't give us an excuse to sin. This doesn't give us an excuse to intentionally go out and fail. That's not, I mean, I don't even know why you'd want to do that. If you love God, then you want to obey God, right? If we love God, then we genuinely want to, but that doesn't mean that we always will. If sometimes we step out and we mess up. Now, I want to talk today, some people are going to have some opinions, but we're going to talk today about a guy named John Mark. Let's turn over to Acts 12, 25. <clears throat> Okay, so it says, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. So here we have Barnabas and, and Paul, right? Saul is later known as Paul. This is the apostle Paul. She's already laughing. I know what you're thinking, and it is going to come up. I have, I'm very opinionated with this story, okay? So you'll hear it. Anyway, um, and so we have Barnabas and Paul. Now, Barnabas mentored and trained Paul. He came alongside him. That's who Barnabas was. He was really good one-on-one. -on -one. He was really good helping lift up and grow leaders and send them out, right? He had a heart for that. And so we see where they had gone on this missionary journey. And now Barnabas wants to bring his cousin, John Mark. And so they bring John Mark along with them. But in the process, John Mark fails. I mean, let's just call it was it, it what it is. John Mark literally deserts them in the middle of their missionary journey, in the middle of the hard stuff, right? It's, it's all glamorous and fun when, when you're looking from the outside in. But when you're in it and things start to get hard, that's when we see integrity and character. And in that, John Mark wasn't perfect. Let's go over and let's read in Acts 15, 36. It says, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. All right, so we see here how there was this crazy disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. I'm hands down team Paul. 
all the way. And I know a lot of people disagree with me, but the thing is, is that when you are in the middle of a missionary journey and you have a lot of people coming against you and persecuting you, and, and you've got a lot of opposition, you need people that are going to be grounded in the faith. You need people that are going to stick by your side. If they say that they're going to do it, you need to be able to count on them. There's an integrity and character issue there again. Now, I joke about it, but I understand why Paul didn't want to take John Mark. I, I joke about that. I joke that I'm team Paul. I actually did a whole sermon on it years ago here at the sanctuary. But my point is, is that John Mark messed up. He, he left them, right? And here, Barnabas, again, we need to understand he was good one-on-one. -on -one. He wanted to mentor him. He wanted to help him. And I, and I get that. I'm not saying Barnabas was necessarily wrong. I just don't think that he should have gone on the missionary journey with Paul because what Paul was facing was really intense. And, and he needed to know that he knew that he could count on him. But what does Barnabas do? He goes and he, and he reconciles what, what, um, what's his name? Uh, John Mark, <laughs> I lost his name, what John Mark had done. He says, okay, you know what? You messed up, but I'm not going to give up on you. You messed up, but I'm still going to train you up. And again, I think there was a lot of, this was Paul's calling, this was Barnabas's calling. I think there was a lot of that. But we see where God starts to reconcile that. And we see how years later, when Paul writes to Timothy, this is in, you don't have to turn there, but it's in 2 Timothy 4.11. It says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. So years later, we see how Paul is writing to Timothy when he's in Ephesus. And he literally says, says that John Mark is helpful to him in his ministry. So we see how even though John Mark had failed, even though he had deserted them, even though he didn't follow through with his integrity and character, that God had not given up on him. That even though he messed up, God still had a plan for him. And Paul had not given up on him. That Paul even still had a plan for him. That Paul was able to use him. And I think all those years, my personal opinion is all those years hanging out with Barnabas, being trained up with them made him ready to do some of the things that Paul was now doing. So I find this story very interesting because there's a lot of stories in the Bible that show us how people fail. But this one is cool because I don't believe that John Mark was necessarily sinning in that. I think he just got scared. And now if he wasn't being obedient to God, I guess there could be some sin there. But, you know, I think it was just one of those things where he just stepped out and he just couldn't. Maybe he stepped out too soon. Maybe he felt called by God, but it wasn't time yet. Maybe, you know, we don't know. But I love it because this is us, isn't it? This is us. And see, this is something that happened to me a few years ago. Whenever I first call, felt called to do videos, there was this whole thing. And it's kind of funny. We called them the bougie videos and the non-bougie videos. And the bougie videos were videos where I get all like dressed nice and everything was going to be perfect. Everything was going to be edited. And it was actually based off of this book that we're going through. I wanted to have this series that was like nicely put together with no mistakes and no anything. Well, in order to do that, you have to like work really hard. And I got so frustrated. I worked week after week after week. I was the only one because Nathan was working, so he couldn't help me. My kids were in school. And so I literally would run back and forth from the camera. I just recently accidentally deleted all of the outtakes. I wish I could show them to you guys because they're really funny. I was getting so mad that it's actually funny. I was like, oh my gosh, God, you've told me to do this. But I was going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I really, I was like, God, you're calling me to do these videos. Why do I keep failing? No matter what I do, I keep messing up. I'm trying. I don't understand. And I was getting frustrated about it. And one night after like weeks, I think it was weeks of trying, I hadn't even gotten through the intro. 
okay? I had not even gone through the intro of this book. And it's the book I wrote, so I, I knew the material. I just couldn't get the videos right. I couldn't get them perfect. But after about a week of that, I went to Nathan. I was like talking to him. I was frustrated. And I was like, I don't understand. And he was like, well, have you ever thought of doing the non-bougie videos? In other words, the live, I don't know why we call them bougie and non-bougie. That's just what we called them. But in other words, the live videos. And I was like, well, yeah, but I really wanted to do this first. And he's like, well, maybe try that for a little bit. And so I did. I stepped out and I started doing that. People started watching. And you know what's cool about it? I could just be me. I can mess up just like I did earlier. I could fail and I'm just like, well, whatever. I mean, you get what you get, right? Like when you're live, you can't go back and edit. You can't make it perfect. And I, I would much rather do that. I love preaching to people live. I love being in front of people. Like whenever I preached at the sanctuary, I loved it because people were there. I love being in front of you guys, even online when I was doing it in my basement and I was live, at least I knew people were there live watching. And there was something about that. So in that, even though I felt like I felt, I felt like I was a failure because I failed. God began showing me, and I questioned that for a long time. I'm like, I thought that was you, Lord. I thought that was you. Now, that may be not the right time. There may be a time to do bougie videos. If that's the case, please pray for me because I don't like them at all. I like to be real. I don't like to be fake, and it just seemed too fake for me, right? But there may be a time for that, but the whole point of the story is that God was trying to teach me, Carrie, you can step out and fail. Even when you're following me, even when you think you hear me, sometimes you're not going to be right, and you have to be okay with that. You can't let your identity get wrapped up in those failures. You can't let who you are become about how you failed. Is that making sense? And so throughout the years, I've looked at this and I'm like, God, how do we keep from feeling like we're failures even though we fail? And he showed me, he said, Carrie, you've got to separate your who from your do. Who you are versus what you do who you are versus what you do. And tonight we're going to talk about three things that we can do to separate who we are from what we do. And the first thing is this. This is long if you're taking notes, so you can just put forgive, but forgive those that influenced us into thinking our failures made us a failure. Forgive those that influenced us into thinking our failures made us a failure. Colossians 3.13 says, bear with each other. We just heard this at church on Sunday. It's so crazy how these things are mashing up. I'm like, I just heard this first. It's like, put up with each other. That's how he said it. He said, put up with each other. Give each other grace. Understand that that person that you're needing to forgive, you're no better than them. We're no better than people that have hurt us. We're no better than our worst enemies. Just like Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was saying, Jesus didn't do anything, guys. He took it for us. And he said, I don't, I didn't do anything, but forgive them. I'm looking beyond what I am. And I'm looking at that person. And it's amazing when we can do this. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievances against each other. And, and this is something that we need to learn to do more. It's so sad to me because I think in the church, we've just gotten so resentful and so bitter and so angry. And, and we hold on to so much. And there are people 
in our lives that have literally, maybe they didn't tell you that your failures made you a failure, but maybe they put that off in another way. And I don't know what that looks like in each one of your lives. And I'm sorry that that happened. And that's not God's heart and that's not okay. But you have to make a choice before you can move on. You have to make a choice to be willing to forgive. And it's, it's like that story in the Bible. It's like, I'm changing it a little, but there's a guy that comes and he's talking to Jesus and he's talking about his son. And he's like, do you believe, like, do you believe that I can heal him? Do you believe? And, and the guy's like, I do believe, help me with my unbelief. So we're going to take that story and we're going to put in forgiveness. God, I do forgive, but help me to forgive. So I always say, you know what? I, I may not want to, but I want to want to. And if we go to God just wanting to want to forgive someone, then he will meet us in that. He will meet us in that. And this happened with me with my brother. A lot of you guys know the story. I've told you guys the story. If you've heard my story, I'm not going to go into the whole things, but there was a lot of things there. There was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of things that he did to me and it was really hard. And one of the first things that I did whenever I gave my life to Christ, I had this vision. I had this, this exciting thing that God put on my heart, but he said, Carrie, you need healing. And I was like, all right, let's get healed. Let's move God. And he's like, forgive. And I'm like, what? What does that have to do with healing God? I was like, that must be the enemy because that doesn't sound right. But the more I read, the more I was like, oh, this is God. Oh my gosh, this is God. This is all about, have you read it? It's all about forgiveness. It's insane. That's what Jesus talks about all the time. Forgive your enemies, love your enemies, forgive, 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 forgive. And that's what we're called to do. And so I was at a place where I didn't, I was so angry and so resentful and so hurt by people, by the church, by, by everybody. I was just angry at everybody that had hurt me. And, and God was like, Carrie, you need to be willing. I'm like, I don't even know if I can be God. He's like, well, then just say that you're willing to be willing. Just, just say something. And that's where I started. God, I can't. You can. God, meet me here. Help me, Lord. I want to want to. I don't even want to because I'm so angry, but I want to want to. We have to get this step down. And, and, and it's so crazy because I think in every message, we could probably put this as number one, couldn't we? Number one, thing. Give, but we keep having to go back to it. And over the years, it's gotten faster for me. There's people that have hurt me and people that have done things and said things. And we all get hurt and we all hurt each other. And, and it's, it's hard sometimes. And sometimes we think it's intentional. And I struggle with believing people's intentions are good. I still struggle with that. I really do. But at the end of the day, I'm like, no, I'm going to believe the best because that's what love does. Love always believes the best. And if we get that in our mind, if we start thinking like that, I'm going to believe the best. Yeah, we might might get hurt, but we're going to get hurt either way. I realized that one day I was like, oh yeah, we'll get hurt either way, won't we? So we need to get this down. If we want to move on, if we really want to walk in this identity that Jesus paid for us to have, we're going to have to be willing to let go. Number two, once we've done number two or number one, we can move on to number two. And now if you've done the book this week, you've already done this. So you're a step ahead. This is awesome. But if you haven't done the first one, go back this week, right? Ask God to search your heart. Number two, list who we are versus what we do. List who we are 
versus what we do. And I put this down as a list and I did it in the book for a reason because there's something about writing it out and looking at it and seeing the difference in who we are and what we do. It is so important that we get this. Who are we? We are children of God. We are heirs to the throne above and not beneath. We are conquerors. We are victorious in Christ. We are righteous, holy, and redeemed. We are all of the things that God says that we are in this book right here or in this Bible book of books, right? That is who we are. If it is not in here, if it can change, it is not who we are. It's very simple. And, and honestly, for so long, I've met so many people that get confused with this. And I really have tried to clarify it because so many people think, because what do we say? We say, I am a mom. I am we take that on, right? I am a wife. I am a preacher. I am a daughter, not a daughter of the king, just a daughter, right? I am a cousin. We take that as it's who we are. And that's how we say it in the English language. And I realize that that can be really confusing. But see, we live in the world and we're not of it, right? So we don't think like the world does. And so we need to see it how God sees it. Yes, I am a mom. But guess what? If my kids go out and something crazy happens and they do stupid things, that's, I mean, it's on me to a point. I need to raise them up, but it's really not my burden to carry. And that is hard. That is one of the hardest things. When you have a child that is going one direction and you just can't understand where they're going, you, as moms, we want to take that on. We feel like that is a reflection of us, but it's not. It is not a reflection of us. How can being a mom change? Well, sadly, there are people that have lost their children. I can't even think. I can't even fathom about that. There are people that have lost their children. If their identity is wrapped up in being a mom, if their identity is wrapped up in that child and they lose them, and maybe they don't lose them, you know, because they pass away. Maybe they move away. Maybe they reject them. Maybe they never talk to them again, whatever it is. If their identity is wrapped up in that, what's going to happen to that person? They're going to fall apart. They're going to fall apart. And, and, and they're going to think because maybe they failed as a mom. You know, whenever I was raising my older three, it looks a lot different. It looked a lot different than my younger three. And Kayla's amazing, but grace of God right there. Okay. Well, all three of them are amazing. But man, there was so much grace. But I am not proud of some of the parenting choices that I made because I didn't know Jesus so how was I supposed to act like him? I didn't know him. I didn't know how to raise my children the right way. And again, there's grace. But I had to learn whenever we were facing some really difficult situations with my children, especially my oldest son, which he's in the Navy now and he's doing amazing. He's so great. I know. I just We just saw him last week or two weeks ago. Um, but in the moment when he was struggling for his life, he was struggling for his life. God taught me this. He said, Carrie, you cannot, you cannot take this on as yours. And I'm like, but I raised him and I messed up and I and I. He's like, you can't take credit for the bad and you can't take credit for the good. And in that, I'll, I'll never forget, I was driving and I had this just vision of me lifting him up and surrendering him. And, and God was teaching me, Carrie, you cannot let your identity be wrapped up in being a mom or a wife or a preacher. If I come up here and I fail and I mess up and all that, I'm fine with it now. 
Because guess what? God still loves me. I'm still forgiven. I'm still a child of God. I mean, I don't want to. It's kind of embarrassing, especially if I, I've mixed up like 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And people tell you, when you preach, they're like, oh, you quoted this and it was this. I'm like, okay, well, you know, say la vie, right? I don't know what to tell you. I can't help things like that, right? It happens. It keeps us humble. But when we list these things out, we begin to look at them. We begin to see the difference. We begin to see who God says we are and we begin to see what we do, which leads us to number three, and it is renew your mind. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Like I was just saying, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It is so important. We can list it all day long and we can look at it all day long and that is great. But if we don't actually apply it, to our minds. If we don't apply it, because what does the world tell us? The world tells us if your kids go and do this, that you were a successful mom. If, if, if you went and you got this, we talked about this the other day, right? And, and this is a lot with our who and our do. If you do certain things, then you're successful. If you do certain things, you're not a failure. If you do certain things, then you get a gold star for the day and everybody thinks you're wonderful and you get to go to the island and got picked out of the, if you were here for that, that uh, sermon, the island where people get picked and they get to go to it because they were more important than others, right? And that's what the world tells us. But, but what does God say? Do not be conformed to that. Don't be like that. And you're like, well, we're in the world and that's just how it is. Yes, it is. We're in the world, but we're not of it. We live in the kingdom. We are seated in heavenly places. We need to get our mind where we spiritually are. Jesus has already paid the price for us. We don't have to live the same as the world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. This is how we're going to be able to walk this thing out. This is how I can walk out and I can literally fail. I can literally fall down right here at the pulpit. I can mess up. I would be embarrassed. Again, I would be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I, but I'd probably laugh about it because it's not who I am. I'm not a failure just because I fail. You're not a failure just because you fail. Transform your mind by putting what you wrote down in that column of who you are. Replace it with those other thoughts. Replace it with the things that that person said to you. After you've forgiven him, don't think those thoughts are just going to go away. Now, God will give you the grace, but we have to fight. We have to fight sometimes. We have to stand up and say, enough is enough. I'm no longer going to believe the lies of the enemy. And I've talked about this through this whole series because this is how we walk in victory. This is how we walk out our identity. We don't just sit back and just Expect God to do all of it. He already did his part. We just need to believe it. We need to have the faith. We need to walk out and stand on the truth of the word of God and stop falling for every trap that the enemy gets and puts in our head and just believing everything. And I'm just a failure. I guess nobody loves me and I'm just going to go and eat worms, right? We need to stop doing this. <laughs> Wasn't that a song? <laughs> See, things like that happen. And I'll look back and I'll be like, mm, whatever, leave it at the pulpit, Carrie, right? Because that is the whole point is that the enemy doesn't want you to walk in freedom. He wants to bring up every little failure, everything that you've done since the day that you were born, and he's going to continue to do it. And he's going to, and I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm just being real because he does it to me. He did it all throughout the Bible and he hasn't stopped and he won't stop this side of heaven. Now that side of heaven, mm, that's going to be glorious. But until we get there, we have to learn 
to constantly renew our mind. And if, you know, one of the things I do is I put little post-its. Ask my family. I put post-its all over my note, all over my house because I just need it. I need the word. I need the truth because I tend to be a little bit more on the grumpy side. And so when I'm doing uh, laundry, I've got one that's like thankful that God has given us a washer and a dryer and that I can do laundry. There are people that can't do, there are people that don't have, I mean, come on, you know, so put post-it notes of who you are all over your house. And when you walk by the fridge, read it out loud, say, I'm a child of God. I am righteous. I am holy. I am redeemed in Christ. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I don't have to earn that, that I don't have to do it. Thank you, Lord, that you paid the price so that I could. And the more that you do that, the more that you renew your not mind, the more that you say these things out loud over and over, I promise promise that I promise, I promise, I promise the more it'll get in there. It'll get from your heart, your head to your heart, and you'll begin to walk in that. And then when you step out and you fail, because you will, then you'll shake the dust off your feet and you'll move on. Amen. Amen.